Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last podcast, we had the conversation about sin. And today's podcast is going to be the conversation about confirmation, or confession, not confirmation, but confession, and the importance there in it. So, just like last episode, I wanted to start by having you give us the groundwork for those of us who may not have been to confession since our first communion, um, way back in second grade, or whenever you did it at your own parish, and the importance of it, and, and what's really going on during the sacrament. Well, thanks, Joe. I, just to return to a theme or two from our last podcast in talking about sin, which is obviously an essential understanding that we have to have before we talk about confession, when we sin, we don't feel good about it, and it doesn't lead us to good places in our lives. It feels good to do good. It feels bad to do bad. Now, part of the problem is that it feels bad to do bad the first time, or in a kind of residual way, there's another way at which, as my moral theology professor said, sin is yummy. If there weren't some attraction to it, uh, to sinful behaviors, uh, the pleasure that we der derive from it, then of course we wouldn't do it to begin with. But the residual effect is that maybe when we tell a lie, we feel a certain kind of thrill at first, but then we find ourselves more and more stuck in a web of lies, and it comes back to haunt us. We already know that at a deep level of our conscience, if we have a well-formed conscience, but then we also experience that as we run into the two or three women in addition to our wives that we are having relations with, or that when our boss confronts our colleague and they've, we've told them both different stories and their stories don't match up and they call us out on that lot. Anyway, it always comes back to be a horrible experience. So doing bad feels bad. Doing good feels good, just to be very simplistic about it. Mm -hmm. And what do we do when we've piled up some bad things? How do we possibly get out of it? Well, as they say, God always forgives. Man sometimes forgives. Nature never forgives. Sometimes there are consequences. We do some bad things to our bodies. Nature doesn't forgive. And we pay the consequences one way or the other. Man sometimes forgives. We tell that lie to our boss and to our colleague. Maybe they're forgiving, understanding, let us go on. Maybe there are some consequences. But at least at the level of our spiritual lives, we can turn to God who always forgives. God always gives us a new beginning. God doesn't trap us in our sins. He doesn't lock us in a cage. He doesn't condemn us as long as we still have breath left in this life. We always have the chance to turn back to him. Well, how do we do that? Well, we should do that right away. We should do that right away at the level of our prayer, at the level of our interior repentance, our contrition, our feeling of sorrow, we should turn to the Lord right away. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry, Lord. That was the whole thing to do. You should do it right away. But there's something that also needs to be expressed. And in our Catholic faith, we provide a tremendous gift in a sacrament, a sacrament which is not just a feeling, but it's a concrete action. It's even a kind of 
way of worship. It's a liturgical rite. We provide a sacrament that helps us to experience that at the level of uh, our humanity and our psychology, and also uh, it's, a, it's a spiritual experience. So the sacrament of confession is a concrete place that we can go to, a rite that we can turn to, to express our sins, our sorrow for our sins, and to receive God's mercy in an effective and a powerful way. And so bringing our sins to the confessional, confessing them to the priest, receiving absolution from God, forgiveness from God, is a powerful way of, of manifesting, of making concrete that immediate act of contrition, that immediate expression of sorrow that we might have after recognizing that we've done something wrong. So, um, yeah, so the, the sacrament of confession is a beautiful thing that ought to become just a part of our life. We should regularly, monthly, go to confession. That gives us a concrete opportunity to recognize the things that we've done wrong, even the patterns of sin in our lives, bring them to God, and we identify confession as a healing sacrament. It really does heal our conscience. It heals our, uh, our spiritual lives of the damage that sin causes in us. Yes, yeah, so why don't we walk through the process of how that actually works? Because I do know that to some people out there, you know, we, we learn it whenever we were getting in preparation for the first time. We, we learn kind of the textbook, this is, this is what we do here and here and here. But like anything else, if you don't keep doing it, you might forget how. And that by itself can become intimidating. Um, so why don't we start with just from beginning to end how it actually works for now the adult version in us, not necessarily the, the simplistic version that, that, that you get but the the way it is now as adults how do we prepare and what do we actually do through the the sacrament of confession yeah you're so right joe that if uh, you haven't been to confession in a while you forget how it goes and i want to emphasize first of all uh i i think every priest is willing to help you for for anybody who's uncertain and wants to go to confession, feels like they should get back into it, the first thing you ought to know is just be honest. Go into the confessional and say, I'm sorry, Father, I, it's been a while. I forget how this goes. I hear confessions like that all the time. And I'm so happy to say, no, don't worry about it. Okay, we're just going to begin with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, I don't know, Father. I... It's been, uh, I mean, just it's just been so, and I understand that people are nervous, they're anxious. It's no problem. Okay, has it been a few months? Has it been a few years? Give me a ballpark. One of the reasons that we ask that question is because it's helpful for me as a priest hearing confessions to understand, okay, based on what you're confessing, how much of a span of time does that cover? Because if it's appropriate, I want to give you a little bit of guidance. I'm not going to lecture you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time analyzing your whole life, but I can give you a little bit of guidance. If you if you fell into uh, maybe you yelled at your wife a couple of times, okay, was that since yesterday or was that since last year? 
you can see those are two very different categories. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to just have a concept of how long it's been since your last confession. There's a good sense of accountability in that, and then also it, it shapes the, the counsel that the priest can give you. See, so, already. How long the, has it been since your last? The, the, the first question there, that's something that I. Now, granted, this is from the outside. I never knew that that was why. I always took it as. Is going back to the last podcast about part of the shame that that you know it it's been so long since I come back because you know it, it that makes sense what you're articulating but from the other side it can seem like oh no it's been so long since I've been here I'm messing up and this part of the, the that's the first thing you get asked the part of the the fear of it I don't know what I'm doing then he's gonna know I don't know what I'm doing because I haven't been here forever and how it can kind of escalate from there but sorry I, I didn't mean to cut you off there but no that's great thanks for, for pointing that out I think that's probably echoes the, the feeling of a lot of our listeners so that's uh that's super helpful for you to to bring that up yeah it's not meant to again not none of these things is meant to make people feel bad but uh, there there is a kind of shame if I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing so the fact that I'm a little ashamed that it's been five years since my last confession well okay that that's a proper feeling of shame. Don't keep it buried. Show it to the Lord. That's what we said in the last podcast as well. So um, we we show that to the Lord. We say it's been five years. I feel bad about that. And the priest says, "So glad that you're here today." The welcoming back that that you're describing here um, is really something that I think most of us don't think of whenever we're we're going through through the. Uh, the, the the right of confession, so um so again I didn't mean to sidetrack you before, but if you want to continue um, with the the order of operations, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So again, uh, it's good to begin with the the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then simply to give the priests an idea. When was your last confession? Uh, and I'll just insert a little side note here, not to complicate things, but again a, a, for a helpful understanding. There's an, an older tradition that I really like, and so I'll encourage people, as long as I'm ha- having the chance to uh, express this, that it's very helpful to know someone's state in life. Are you a priest? Are you a religious? Are you uh, married? Are you single? And again, that helps for understanding the context of the sin. Uh, for a priest to say... I I haven't celebrated Mass every day is different than for a married person to say, I haven't attended Mass every day. Well, there's a heavier obligation on the priest. It's not an absolute obligation. The priest isn't obligated to say Mass every day. But that's an indication of where his spiritual life is. Hmm. For a layperson who isn't going to Mass every day, maybe they have a particular practice of that. Okay, that's fine. But anyway, it's not going to be a normal expectation. Likewise, for... A man who's married to say, I've been looking at other women, is in a different category than for a man who's single to say, I've been looking at other women. Well, he might be looking because he's looking to date. A married man is not looking to date other women. (laughs) So anyway, uh, that context helps just to say, I'm a married man with children. I'm a married woman with with children. Okay, it it helps. Not Well, none of these things are sort of strictly necessary. And then that's it for the introductory part. And then it's just a matter of, of going on 
to say what your sins are. Uh, what are the ways that you've, what are the sins that you've committed specifically since your last confession? We make that distinction because you don't need to confess again something you already confessed before. Because I, uh, maybe I committed some serious sin 10 years ago, I don't need to bring that up again in confession. I already confessed it. We can leave things behind. So that's a very important thing to realize that when we confess something, we really do leave it behind. Now, the problem is that sometimes our feelings don't always catch up with the reality. Sometimes I still feel badly for something that I did 10 years ago. Maybe as I've grown in my spiritual life, I have a deeper awareness of how bad that really was, that act of adultery, that struggle with pornography, the way that I uh, skimmed off the top in my business or the way that I lied to a colleague. Oh, I think about that and I just feel worse even than I did when it happened. Okay, well, um, sometimes you can bring something like that up for the sake of just a little deeper healing but not because you need to confess it. Once we've confessed something, we can leave it behind. And so you want to focus on the sins that you've committed since your last confession. Now, there's an old tradition of always saying the number of sins in addition to the kind of sins. I lied 10 times. I swore 30 times. I looked at women with lust 15 times. Again, uh, there's something that's kind of helpful about that. If you're actually taking stock of more or less how many times you committed a certain sin, well, I think there's something that's, uh, that can be helpful about that. The church only requires that you do that for mortal sins. Now we need to refer to a previous podcast, I think, about mortal sins and venial sins. I think we talked about that before. But uh, we're only, first of all, we're only obligated to confess mortal sins. Uh, but it's very helpful to confess venial sins. Likewise, we're only obligated to list the number and kind of mortal sins. It can be helpful to list the number and kind of venial sins. So now I've probably given too much. So maybe I'm going to turn this over to you again, Joe, and you can help to lead me about where I should explain further or go deeper into this. Fair enough. Why don't we just do a quick little reset of Spawn, what is a mortal sin, since that's the part of the, the act of confession we're at here. Well, and we can refer to our last podcast on sin, first mm -hmm. of all, in looking at those three different necessary pieces of sin. One is that it's wrong. Also, that you know it's wrong and that you choose to do it anyway. So it needs to be wrong and then you need to have the sufficient knowledge and freedom to do it anyway. Now, for a mortal sin, it has to not only be wrong, but it has to be seriously wrong. It has to be a serious problem. So grave matter is what we what we call that in technical terms. Grave means serious. Mm -hmm. So um, that would be a mortal sin, something that's very wrong. You know it's wrong, and you choose to do it anyway. So we're talking about a pretty serious offense. Um, let's uh, let's think of a man who who commits adultery, 
And it's really something like it's kind of building up for a while. You know, this woman at work, he's been uh, looking at her. He's been fighting against it. He knows it's not a good thing to do. It's a terrible attack on his marriage. He's really struggling with it. And uh, and then eventually he gets to the point that he just says, you know, I'm just going to do it anyway. Just going to, I'm going to flirt with this woman and I'm going to go down that path. And, and he really takes that to the extreme. Well, that's uh, probably a mortal sin. I mean, so it certainly is a grave, it certainly is grave matter. And it seems like he really knows it's wrong and he really has enough freedom that he's doing it anyway. It's not the heat of the moment. It's not like she comes on to him. He loses his mind. He gives into this thing. He feels terrible about it afterward. It's really premeditated, carried out. Um, we might think about that in terms of some drug use, you know, uh, somebody that, uh, or, or even just getting drunk is, is grave matter. And so I know that if I have three or four drinks that I'm really going to be drunk. And I just say, to heck with it. I, I, I want to get drunk tonight. I'm going to get drunk tonight. Okay, that's different than I'm, you know, at dinner, I have a glass of wine, uh, I have another glass of wine, I'm not realizing the impact that it's having on me, uh, I didn't even count, I forgot I had the first glass of wine, I choose to have another glass of wine, whatever it is, you know, it's uh, sort of gradually getting ourselves into this place. So, uh, mortal sin, it is a grave offense, I know it's wrong, and I freely choose to do it anyway. Okay. Um... That actually adds one that I didn't even realize was a sin, which was getting drunk. Um, you know, that, that, that I didn't really realize that that was a uh, a sin within itself. How about that? Um, so, all right. So, so, so we, we've now confessed our sins sitting sitting at the priest. Also, side question. I guess we we kind of skipped over this. Is it better to because most confessionals give you a choice? to sit in a spot where you can directly face and see the priest or you can do it in a way where you only hear the priest. Is there a difference in that? Um, just as a general question. Yeah, no, that's a great question. The, I think the option in, uh, you know, before the Second Vatican Council, uh, whatever, for several centuries, was to uh, use the screen, as we call it, to not be face-to-face. -face. And then the Second Vatican Council wanted to open up the sacrament of confession to be a little bit more interpersonal, to have a little bit more personal connection, to offer, to encourage the priest to offer a little bit more counsel, and so to make it a, a little more uh, familiar setting like that. And so the option of doing it face-to-face um, so in most most churches now, they provide either option, that you can go behind the screen or you can go face-to-face. -face. I know at St. Vincent Basilica, which is where I hear confessions, uh, we have uh, the same kind of room, and when you come in, you can immediately go behind the screen or you can come and sit in front of the priest. And we leave the option up to the, the penitent, the one who's making the confession. And it's really your own personal option. So personally, I like going behind the screen. It, I find it less distracting. And 
personally, I like it when the penitent goes behind the screen. I find it less distracting. Sometimes it magnifies the shame in a way that's not helpful or people start to like kind of cover up and then, you know, say things in different ways. They make their sins not look as bad or, you know, they just use extra language or they're trying to get a certain reaction from the priest. Now, none of this is conscious, but it just happens when we're in front of people and it kind of interferes with the sacrament. I think that it can be helpful to go behind the screen and then you focus on God and you focus on what God is seeing and you don't worry about what the priest's facial expression is or whether he's listening attentively enough or none of that actually matters. Confession is a, a rite, it's a, a liturgy and ultimately we're trying to bring our sins before God and we're receiving that absolution from God through the, the instrumentality of the priest, through the priest. But anyway, the, the priest's humanity can kind of interfere with the sacrament. Now, when I'm meeting with someone for spiritual direction, when I meet with my own spiritual director, we're always face-to-face. -face. I mean, the whole context of that, it's, a, it's a, a different setting. I really know that priest. I really know those penitents. And anyway, it doesn't interfere with the sacrament. But I think for an anonymous confession, I think it's helpful to go behind the screen. But anyway, the point is, whatever someone wants to do is, is fine. Um, and, and they should just do pick a route that's going to be more comfortable, that's going to help them focus on the spiritual dimension of it, confessing the sin, receiving God's forgiveness. Okay. Okay. So, so we're at the point now where we've, we've confessed our sins and we've kind of just let everything out there. Now what? Great. Thanks for picking up at the, the right place. Yeah. So, um, after confessing sins and again, as a confessor, as a priest who hears confessions, I like to just let people get everything out. You know, it's, I think it's good to come to confession prepared, knowing what you're going to say. Don't try to figure it out in the process. Now, things might come to you as you're confessing. You know, that's fine. But anyway, I think it's good to prepare. I like to make a list um, because it's not a memory test. It shouldn't be like, oh, gosh, you know, it's because it's anxiety-inducing enough to, to confess our sins. I like to make a list. Now, some priests get all bent out of shape about, oh, don't write it down because you want to, I don't know. I, I don't agree with any of that. Write it down, make a list, tear it up afterwards, throw it away, burn it, whatever you want to do. But uh, don't make it harder for yourself. You make a good preparation. You confess your sins. As a priest, I like to let people get through the whole thing instead of interrupting them and, and maybe causing them to lose track of what they were saying, what they were doing. Uh, every once in a while, I'll ask a, a question to clarify or just, you know, if there's something that's I think will be helpful for the penitent. I'm not trying to examine them or grill them or anything like that, but maybe ask a question to clarify. And then if I feel like I can offer some advice or sometimes I'll even ask a person if they want some advice, because again, my advice is not necessary for the sacrament. Ultimately, this is an encounter between the person and God, and I don't want to interfere with that. I want to get in the way as little as possible. But if I feel like, well, maybe there's a little bit of guidance, maybe somebody's being too hard on themselves, maybe they don't have a clear understanding of what the sin is, or, or um, maybe there are a lot of people that struggle with pornography, for example, and I like to ask, you know, 
Are you taking some steps? Do you even know some steps to take? Do you want some help with that? Because I can offer some things. Maybe somebody who's committed adultery or sometimes, you know, somebody who's had an abortion. There's a lot that goes with that. And so I don't want to grill people. I want them to know that their sins are forgiven. But if I can help people to take a step forward and turn away from that sin or heal from that sin, I want to do that too. So the priest might give a little bit of counsel. He shouldn't go on too long. He shouldn't give too much. Uh, give a little bit of counsel, maybe offer some guidance um, if somebody wants to go into more, some more detail. So there's that possibility. Then the priest will assign a penance. Now here again, the penance is not meant to be uh, a punishment fitting to the crime in the sense that if you have bigger sins, then you you know you got to make a a pilgrimage on your knees to uh, Jerusalem or something like that. Um, but the, the penance should, uh, can help to be a remedy for the sin. I like to, you know, maybe somebody that's confessing pride or I see there's some pride there or maybe somebody who's focusing too much on the things that they're doing wrong and I'll help them to focus on thanksgiving and the blessings in their lives or uh, give them a way of praying. I like to bring people into Scripture and get them started on something. Anyway, different kinds of little penances that we provide to help people uh, heal from their sins, get them started. And then that's a penance that the person is going to have to do uh, after the after the confession. And then I'll ask the person to make an act of contrition. Here again, it's not meant to be a memory test. People are anxious in confession. They don't always have it memorized, and and uh, they get nervous and forget it, and then they feel embarrassed about that. Uh, we don't want any of that. It just it's a distraction. So you might bring it with you. A lot of confessionals have the the act of contrition printed in there. Ultimately, it's meant to be fr from the heart as much as possible. An act of contrition, just expressing sorrow. I'm really sorry for this, and I'm not going to do it again. I don't want to commit sin again. So those two things, sorrow for sin and what we call a firm purpose of amendment, an act of the will, I don't want to do this again. I'm going to do my best not to do it again. I want God's help not to do it again. So we're not coming to sin with a, uh, to confession with a kind of fatalism like, oh, I'm stuck in this thing. I'll never heal. I'll never get better. I'll never, you know, we don't want any of that. Um, we just want a firm purpose of amendment. I'm going to do my best. I believe that with God's help, I can turn away from sin. I, I won't commit sin again. So that's a, a good direction to set in. Uh, the penance, active contrition, and then the priest finally concludes by giving, by speaking the words of absolution. God the Father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and so on. And, and uh, the, finally, the words, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then the priest may conclude in different ways. Go in peace. Uh, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and the responses and his mercy endures forever. And the priest may offer a little prayer, whatever it is. And then that's it. That's the end of the, the sacrament. The person leaves the confessional and then uh, makes, does their penance as soon as possible, right away if, if you can. You don't want to walk away and forget your penance. And anyway, kind of complete the sacrament right after the, the, uh, the confession.
Certainly. Yeah, and and um, it's definitely something that that does help, and there there is no doubt about that. Going going back to it, 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 it it's hard to describe, especially if it's been long since you've you've gone to a confession. The the true benefits that you'll feel internally, um, virtually immediately, you know, during during the process, and I know that that the sacrament itself can be intimidating if you forget what what it was to go through all that and we hope that today's podcast definitely helped with that kind of alleviated some of the fear that would happen and I don't want to go to that because I forget I don't want to look dumb I don't want to you know mess something up and I want to thank you father for for helping everyone out there helping myself out there for for going through the act of confession and um, and I hope that everyone else there out there enjoyed this podcast. We thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking with you next week.